What are we waiting for? <laughs> I'm, I'm You're trying to compose yourself? Yeah, pretty much. This week with more books, audio books, audio dramas, and podcasts. And this time we have a full studio, a butt in every chair. My name is Paul Alves. I'm Greg Ott. I'm Chris Jager. Welcome back, lads. <sighs> Easy there, Lord Vader. All right. <laughs> Did you get that out of your system? <laughs> I got to get that out of my system. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back, guys. I'm sorry I missed you last week. That was problem. a great episode. That was, that was uh, in my opinion, a very good episode. Thanks for pulling oh, it out for good. me, guys. We're glad you liked it. Yeah. Uh, we did miss you here. It's, uh, I found it tough uh, without the, the circular flow of conversation. Right. The back yeah. and forth stuff was kind of hard. So what's on our nightstands? What's in our Kindles, books under glass? Anything happening here, folks? Uh, I've been really busy. And uh, like I said, it was my anniversary. Happy anniversary, Candace. And uh, so I'm still doing the Millennium Series. I'm finding it uh, a little bit, again, slow to get through because I feel like I'm being ass- assaulted by an Ikea catalog. I'm f- 30 some odd hours into the... You're just finishing it because you're like two thirds of the way in, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's where it is. It's got to get good because I... <laughs> this book series is too popular for me to not like it this much. Too popular for you to not like it. I, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying you see that, what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you're just dumbfounded by why people are I, enjoying I am, this. I am. And I'm still... Your I expectations have this, are too high, perhaps. It's so popular. It's so popular. Everybody okay. read the damn thing. And I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm reading the third book and I'm not getting it. Hey, I read the first the one and I said, I'm out and I'm staying out. The second one left me kind of flat. We discussed that already, right? That I, I had no frames of reference for the, the places. I'm finding the exact same thing. I'm finding his introduction to each character. I don't need a biography. Abandon. Abandon. Pull the shoe. No, I got got like 150 pages left. Okay. One one thing I learned to do recently is to abandon a book. I get a quarter. But it's not abandoning. It's not abandoning your book. It's a series. It's a series. Right. It was like how would how would do that with the dark tower series? You're waiting for the conclusion. There's got to be a conclusion. This is what I'm saying. Hopefully there is because the author did die while still you know editing these things. I'm hoping that at some point in time, like, you know, the Death Star is going to blow up or something. Something big's going to happen here. I, I, but I did kind of drop the uh, Millennium series f- briefly to start reading the um, Sue Sylvester, what are we talking, uh, Jane Lynch book. Ah, yes. The Jane Lynch memoir. I started that. Very interesting. I, I may take a look at that one as well. Uh, I, I've, I'm going to be starting today uh, Michelle Youngstone's The Handbook for Lightning Strike Survivors, and I will bring that to the table sometime next week. Probably for next week's podcast, that would make sense. My night table is clear at the moment. I read a book, uh, knocked out a book this week on a dare. It was the uh, the alchemist Paul Coelho. So, but we'll be talking about that later. Oh, nice. In related news, 
In related news. <laughs> In related news. Did you guys know that we have a research and development uh, department here at uh, Book Central? Is that what those little guys do that's, running around all over the place? Is that's that what right. that door at the end of the hallway that says, you know, do not enter? <laughs> that's the, the one. Little, the well, they've, they've developed something, and uh, they have three prototypes for us. We're each going to get one. They say they can make uh, one, of, uh, one for each of us every year. It's a you-must-read coin, and it, uh, when you throw it on the table, it sounds like this. Oh, wow. <laughs> that has some power to it. That's ominous. <laughs> All right. So uh, the way it's going to work, guys, is we're going we're gonna to ha- each have a, a, a token, and it's going to give us the ability to force one of the other co-hosts to read a book of your choice. Now, let's not make this a spiteful thing. Like, I'm not going to make you read a crap book, but if there's a book I really, really, really want you guys to read, and same if you have something that you've read and you're adamant that you want me to read it or Chris to read it or Greg to read it, just throw your coin on the table and... There it Does is. this work for movies? Wait, wait, wait. Is, it, is this, is this, is this you binding? You still haven't read no. You guys still haven't watched The Room. It, it, I have it. I've got it on I my will, iPod Touch, can, and I will watch it. Can I make a request? Can these little gnomes make the movie request coin? If we do a movie podcast, I'm sure that they will. They look like uh, they have some idle time. I'd love I don't know, know what they're is, smoking. Either. Is this coin uh, binding on both hosts or on one? It's binding on all. It's binding oh, on the table. I like that. I there you go. Good. All right, well, I'm going to start with the book that I uh, read last week. Actually, started it after we finished recording the podcast, and like by noon the next day, I'd finished it. I just burned through it. It's a young adult novel. You showed me this uh, just as we were walking out of the studio last week. It's you've got ink blot in your hand, there, don't right. you? Fiction, fiction, fiction. This one's a young adult fiction, so it's it's targeted young adults, and a lot of the characters are, are young adults, and and t- typically in a what are those little guys up to? I can hear they're sawing. What are they we got some construction going on. Research and development going Doing on. Doing some door, reno folks. to the studios. <laughs> Listeners, we are so sorry. So th- this is a new young adult fiction novel from Johnson Nagel, uh, which is actually a pen name for Phyllis Johnson and Nancy Nagel. Uh, Phyllis Johnson was... being one of the contributors to our podcast. Yeah. The book's about a internet millionaire, young lad, who starts up a website uh, called Inkblot. What the website's about is... Uh, it's a, a series of quizzes with ink blots, uh, such as Dr. Like, Rorschach's Rorschach test. Yeah. Okay. How do you pronounce it? Rorschach. Rorschach test. Rorschach. Yeah. Rorschach. Rorschach. Oh, whatever. Regardless. Should we know but, that? But you take these quizzes based on the ink blots, and the site saves that information, and it sort of like spews back to you saying, you are this type of person. Would you like to take more quizzes? We, and eventually the site gets your personality pretty much dead nuts on. And, and, and the book revolves around the fact that sites like this fictional site and Facebook ask you these stupid questions and, and you are, whether you know it or not, you are entering so much information into Facebook and, and sites like this. What if that information was got into the wrong hands? This sounds suspicious. It's like is, a dating website is, I used yeah. once upon a time. <laughs> this has always been the, the uh, criticism of these websites, the Google and the Facebook, that we might be re- revealing too much of ourselves. So, so what happens in, in the book is that eventually uh, Ronnie, the, the owner of the site, figures out that he can correlate names with, uh, with accounts, actual people, and he, f- he finds that he's quickly finding out through the quizzes who is more likely to do bank fraud, who is most likely to be a murderer one day, and eventually what happens is some murders happen, and they're all linked back to the site. So, of course, Ronnie becomes a prime suspect. There's a lot of, a lot of great uh, characters in the book, uh, most of them young adults, there's the, the cub reporter, front page uh, reporter at the there's local some, newspaper. There's some stock characters in there. Oh, yeah. You know, they're all young, but, uh, you know, almost implausibly so. 
but that's the staple of young adult fiction. Of course. You yes. know, the 20-year-old front page reporter, the 20-year-old right, right, internet right. millionaire, mm-hmm. the 20-year-old, you know, IT professional. They have to be able to envision themselves in the story, so... Lots of fun. If you're a young adult or if you're into YA fiction... The plot uh, sounds interesting. G- give, it, give it a shot. I, I haven't really spoiled anything. I, I was actually surprised. It's a whodunit? It, it is a whodunit of sorts. Uh, right on the back cover, it, it tells you, you know, Ronnie's suspected of murder. It doesn't happen to like, you know, the fourth act, the third act, you know. So the whole time I'm thinking, sitting there going, well, well when's Ronnie going to get suspected of all this? But, you know, it, so it is a whodunit. Not a, not a conventional whodunit, but There aren't enough whodunit. characters in the novel that... You know, you could roll a six-sided dice and figure out who it was, but it's still a fun journey. Interesting book. Uh, <laughs> give it a shot. There's my my full reviews on the site. Roll a six-sided dice, you geek. <laughs> a D six. You geek. There you go. Live from New York, an uncensored history of Saturday Night Live as told by its stars. Very good, Greg. You weren't expecting me to throw in the Saturday Night Live theme music, and you really kicked no, in that there. Was, uh, that was a good improv. Is I this, rolled with that. Did you, uh, did you listen to this one, Greg, or did you read it? I did both. I had the hard copy. I had the hardcover, and it was my bathroom Bible for just a little while. Ha ha. Oh, you caught me. You caught me. <laughs> And I also had the uh, had an audible file for that too. Um, so here's what this is. Basically, this is uh, two interviewers, two two um, journalists, and they interviewed basically everybody that they could find who was associated with Saturday Night Live. And we're talking about cast members, directors, producers, hairstylists, cameramen, set designers, everybody. And just and then okay. they they took all these interviews and they put them into short story format in chronological and topical order. So the, the book, f- the format of the book goes, it'll, it'll introduce a character, and if it's the first time they're introducing somebody, so they'll say, so for instance, uh, Chevy Chase, actor. And then there'll be a short story that Chevy Chase has in regards to that particular topic. And the topics are very um, in-depth. Uh, they reveal a lot of the behind-the-scenes uh, activity, especially in the first, second years, and then going through the 80s as well, uh, this goes all the way the up dead to years. Well, yeah. See, that's the thing. Like when I would, yeah, my prime my prime years for Saturday Night Live were the de- were what I'm now realizing were considered the dead years, or what everybody who was a cast member at the time would say. You know, the bad times when right. when it got really commercial and everybody was looking. Uh, and the the producer at the time, um, all he wanted was more Church Lady, more Hans and Franz, more. You know, there had to be a a, a sketch the recognizable sketches every time, you know, and you had to, you had to work your characters. Yeah, it got a bit formulaic where they, yeah. He wanted the characters, he wanted the movies afterwards, and, and the cast members started to implode. I, he, I was upset they never made a movie about the Eddie Murphy character, the, the Jamaican singer who wanted to kill all the white people. Kill all the white people. Well, it, funny enough, Samurai Butcher never got a movie. Samurai so. Butcher, well, I mean, but it, if, interestingly enough, uh, Eddie Murphy's the one person that they did not get to interview. Ah, okay. So, but it's it's really well done. It's a funny. It's an introspective. Into- this is my question. Did you laugh? Was it funny? Oh, I laughed. But it was also really. Um, if you're interested in that type of thing, it it was really. It's a bit of a cultural insightful. touchstone for us, eh? It so. is, and I and I like Saturday Night Live, and I still I defend Saturday Night Live on a next to weekly basis because Paul, I know you are not. I I was. 
You I were. Am, I am no and longer. I, I, I'm an avid Saturday Night Live watcher. My wife and I, I, I TiVo it, or what are we talking, PVR it in Canada, sorry. And uh, I watch it all the time. And I think it's hilarious. They have the best writers, the be- some of the best actors. I think Kristen Wiig is by far one of the funniest women on the face of the planet. And I think she's going to go massive places. I miss Tina Fey. I'm a, I do miss Tina Fey. Well, I mean, well, but I mean, it's, a rock now, right? it's a springboard. It's a it's a springboard. Now, like I said, so it, it it does lend itself to the bathroom Bible format because it does have these little short stories. Okay, so short chapters. Well, when I say short chapters, some of them can be a page. Some of them can be like an eighth of a page. Okay, you know, they're, they're because they're just Bible. Then they're snippets from interviews. The fact about the show that always amazed me: uh, they had to they had one freight elevator. Uh, that would go from ground level to the studio. So everything that, that you see on the stage and the sets had to be built and constructed in such a way that it would break down into this one freight elevator. So that was the engineering constraint <laughs> right. on the show. Everything that went upstairs, like the people, whatever it was, it all had to go through this one freight elevator. Yeah. That, they didn't touch on that, but I, no, I, while you were talking, I did think of one. They're, they did touch on all the dope that they smoked in the stu- while they were writing. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing. They're, they don't hold anything back. There's a, look, we smoked so much dope that it was crazy. And Lauren had to defend us against the, the, the rest of the studio. Against uh, sort yeah. of a mass arrest. Okay. So, so here's what happens. They do all these interviews and then they write the book. And then the problem is it, for the audiobook, they did it abridged because there are female characters and male characters. The abridgment doesn't quite, again, that doesn't quite work. Okay. Because you have people who you know what they sound like. I, we never recommend abridged anything. Well, it, okay. The, no, the I, I see what you're saying. You okay, can, so you when can you have Chevy actor, Chase, yeah. right? When you have Chevy Chase, when you have, um, you know, a Jane Curtin, someone like that who's been interviewed, you know what Jane Curtin sounds like. So when you have anybody other than Jane Curtin saying, okay, so, so for the abridgment, they, the gentleman will say, Jane Curtin. Actor, actress, and then you'll have a lady read this little tidbit. Right. She doesn't. She doesn't try to be Jane Curtin. She just reads it, and she's introduced as Jane Curtin, and it doesn't work. And she has this distinctive voice, and, and yeah, well, it kind of throws uh, you are, off. These are all iconic people to us. I mean, they're the touchstones in yep. some yep. cases, and we know what they say. You know, I know what Dana Carvey sounds like. I know what. Uh, I mean, the, Take pick, the yeah. list. Yeah, it's there's hundreds. There's, there's, well, you, there's you can also imagine how much it would cost to get all these. But like you said, Eddie Murphy's not even in it. No, Eddie they couldn't even afford it. to reprint his words. No, they could. I mean, they, it, logistically, they couldn't obviously get everybody to re-record their interviews. But like I said, M- minor, I would, minor shortcoming. It's a minor the shortcoming, but a, version. A, a minor shortcoming. They did as good as they could because then what they did is they they read the heading. Right. They would say, uh, you know, uh, do we have a little clip? Maybe we can take a. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure it was an audible file. Even before the original cast left, the show itself had become the star and a new American institution, a kind of keepsake to be handed down from generation to generation, both by the performers who served time in its stock company and by the audience that is perpetually replenished as new legions of viewers come of age. The story of Saturday Night Live is the story of the people who made it work, people there at and before the beginning. People who passed through as if attending some rarefied college of comedic arts, craftspeople and technicians, as well as actors and comics and musicians. They and the show weathered many a storm along the way. As executive producer for most of its nearly three decades, Michaels has had to contend with virtually every sin the flesh is heir to among his cast members, as well as with his own fallibilities. 
He was a father figure even at the beginning, when he was only a wee bit older than the rest of them, and that continues now that he is twice the age of many of those who work for him, and plays host to surviving members of the original cast who bring teenage sons and daughters to see the show in person. He watched as two of his brightest comedy stars died of drug abuse, saw others come perilously close, and has had to deal with the grimness of a disproportionately high mortality rate overall. There have been cast members who drank too much, snorted coke too much, freebased too much, God knows what else too much. Talent may itself be a form of neurosis. It usually comes with troubles attached. To those who work on the show, success and failure become close to matters of life and death. It's all there in the argot. A good joke kills, while a bad sketch dies. Having an audience crushed by material is devoutly to be wished. Many a sketch will kill at dress, meaning get big laughs at the dress rehearsal staged in front of a separate audience a few hours before the real show, only to die on air when it's the show for real. The show made stars of unknowns and superstars of stars. There were also those who entered anonymous and left the same way. Some were made famous. Some were made bitter. Some were made rich. Some found nirvana and others a living hell. They never really knew, going through those portals, how or if they would be changed as a result. But they virtually all had one thing in common, even if they had joined the show simply because they needed work and liked to eat. It was much more than a job. They were the chosen because it was the chosen. They could look down on people working even in the most successful primetime sitcoms or dramas because Saturday Night Live was something entirely unto itself, a towering edifice on the landscape a place of wonder and magic, a socio-political phenomenon. With the arrival of SNL, the TV generation, at least for 90 minutes a week, could see television not just as a window on the past or a display case for the fading fantasy figures of their fathers and mothers, but as a mirror. A warped funhouse mirror, perhaps, but a mirror just the same, one reflecting their own sensibilities, values, and philosophies. Television, which had shown them the world, had heretofore neglected to show them themselves. This program tells the Saturday Night Live story for the first time, almost entirely in the words of the people who made it and lived it, the performers who found glory or agony there, the writers and producers who stayed for decades or only a year or two, and many stars who served as hosts. Elated or disgruntled, they talk with abandon and candor and represent a wide array of views about the show, what makes it tick, whether indeed it still does tick, how it has lasted, and whether Lorne Michaels is a comedy genius or a cunning con man. Okay, I know I shouldn't be uh, critiquing production values, especially since we have all these little gnomes in the background building the new studio. Um, by the way, folks, this is episode 009 under construction, and uh, the, the little gnomes... They're we've, just, got, we've got the name already, don't we? Yes, yeah, they're, they're just so creepy looking, I can't tell them to stop working. I, I'm not even sure if they speak English. Or any you know language known to humankind, but uh, having they said also that, also look very threatening with all those power tools. Having so. said that, uh, Chris, I, I was listening to that little clip from the from the audiobook, and I don't know who that was reading, and I'm not sure if it was his fault because it sounded like they had some effects on him. He kind of he sounded as close to the Mac speech voice as anyone can get, and still be a. And still you know, be considered a human being. It's yeah. right at the beginning, and he's just very, very vanilla. Uh, I, the th okay, I just want to say I do recommend this for anybody who appreciates Saturday Night Live. It is very, like I said, it's very revealing. 
Uh, they do go into very good detail about what they did behind the scenes. And, and in a lot of the cases, they do get into like a lot of he said, she said. There were a lot of backdoor deals and, and people who didn't like each other and people who weren't liked by the entire cast or got uh, ostracized for doing certain things. So... Ooh, gossipy. Ooh, yeah, I guess a little <laughs> gossipy. So. Oh, look how Greg, there's an Oompa Loompa behind you. I'm not sure what he's carrying. <laughs> All right, sorry, but uh, it, I like the uh, he said she said type of aspect to it, and I get it, there's it, it's really well done, good listen, good read, go do it, nice. Uh, and I think coming up next we have book news. Greg, you have some book news for us. I, I do have book news. Uh, one of my favorite actresses at this point in time, Jane Lynch, released a viral video on YouTube. She's uh, your favorite um, from where? Where are you very familiar with? The, are you one of these Glee people? I'm a Gleek. Okay. There is a term for it. Yeah, we have, we have a I have, club. I'm going to go down on record and say I've never seen an episode. Do the first season. I think I'm going to keep it yeah. that way. Well, but, okay, uh, if you like, it's fun. I did it's see fun. her. I did Look. see her a couple episodes of what was that show with the uh, the kid that had his brain with the he was, became a spy. He was a geek that became a spy. What was that Chuck? Oh right, yes. Chuck. There it Chuck. was. Yeah. So she Chuck. had a couple. She, uh, she had a couple she appearances a there. A couple appearances there. She, yeah, she's a bit actress. Forty-year-old virgin. Forty-year-old virgin. Uh, I liked her virgin, in uh, virgin, Julie and Julia. She played Julia Child's sister in Julie and Julia. Didn't see that. Yeah, it was really. It was a good part for and, her as and well. What's uh, What's the news about her? What's she? Had, she wrote a memoir, and it's being released in September. And she, it's she's now doing a viral video, basically where she terrorizes a Barnes and Noble and tries to put, <laughs> put her book out in front of everybody's face. And I have a problem with people doing memoirs when they're not next to dead. Really? Yeah. You don't think that Jane Lynch is famous enough to have memoirs just yet? I'm not saying she isn't famous, but I don't think that that means that... But it, you have to have a certain uh, perspective on all of life, not just, you know, one flame up of your career. Right, maybe they should have, just, they should have termed it a, 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 maybe a biography, not a memoir, but uh, from reading the back cover, uh, it is... Even the book, a biography the book focuses on on one journey of her life as far as how she got to where she is. Yeah. So whether it doesn't necessarily have to encompass her whole life, uh, she probably does have a very interesting tale of how she got where she is. I, I am reading it. It's on my bedside table right now. I'm mm-hmm. taking, like I said, I'm taking a break from the uh, girl who kicked the hornet's nest, so I can get through this one because it's something that interests me. Right. And uh, the girl who kicked the hornet's nest is no longer interesting me right now. And Greg, we did try to, to get Mrs. Lynch on, but uh, she's busy with the Emmys. We did. And, uh, filming a, a TV show that you like called Glee. I was remarkably surprised at how quickly her publicist or the, who was it you yeah, contacted? Yeah, they're, they're on the ball. They're on the yeah. ball. Absolutely. We saw, we saw the video. I said, hey, let's see if we can get Jane Lynch. You know, what's the worst that she can do? She can say no. Yeah, and it turns out the that they, they can do. Well, they did, but it was very within, quickly it too, was apparently. within an hour. Yeah. And then <laughs> was with, Chris, it was within, within an hour they said no. And then within 24 yeah, we hours, had the books we had the like, books yeah. and within 24 hours. I yeah. mean, just They're, kudos to... Hyperion Publishing, sharp work, yeah. On the ball, on the ball. Hyperion Publishing, kudos to them. Thank you very much for the uh, pre pre release books there. Perfect. I, and I do intend on reading that and in interrupting my flow. Uh, I also have, uh, I've got a little bit of site news. Okay, you go. PaulTheBookGuy.com. Uh, I just want to ask, just just like in the middle of the studio here with the Oompa Loompas, we've got some uh, some people in the background of the site doing some uh, renovations and uh, upgrades to the site. So please. Um, don't mind our mess for the next uh, week or so. Uh, everything's getting rearranged in a more uh, natural order. Books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts are going to be the first four menu items. Everything's going to be ca- subcategorized under there. It's going to make a lot more sense. I saw the redesign, and a re- one of the parts that I really like is there's a little section on the bottom right hand, on the third panel, yes. bottom, 
with all the tags and the tags get larger. Yeah, auto-updated. Yep. Yeah, it's auto-updated. The tags get larger depending on how many articles there are with that tag. So I think that's really interesting. Uh, another upgrade also, uh, going to be putting a whole journal in of free audio dramas. And not just, and you know, we've been covering a lot of 1940s stuff. Not just that, but modern day audio dramas set today. Uh, there's going to be a pile of them. By Sunday, there's going to be at least 20 or 30 free audio dramas. Uh, they will be playable on your iPhone. Uh, or mobile device, BlackBerry, whatever. So if you're ever in a pinch, don't have an audiobook with you, uh, whatever, just go to the site, Audio Drama Buff, play, press play. You can have yourself half an hour of entertainment, 15 minutes, your choice. We'll put the durations there. That's fantastic. Are they all going to be Doc Savage? <laughs> no, not all of them, but some of them might. All right. Um, we're also going to be redesigning the site graphics. I've, uh, we've got the, the word out to Pat Vickstrom Digital. Um, and he's going to do a redesign of our logo and all the art assets. And I think that's just going to pop up one day out of, out of the blue. And thank you, Pat, for putting some effort in there. Thanks, Pat. That, they, I think the graphics look great they, the way they are, but uh, I have one more. I, and this is, uh, of course, breaking news. Our breaking good, news. Our good friend, friend of the, of the podcast, Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, good friend of the podcast. Well, he yeah, is actually. He keeps putting us Let, on new. Should we and try and get him on the show? See how fast <laughs> Apple tells us no. <laughs> is that going to be the baseline for how successful oh, wait. we are? How, I think how Apple fun. has a time machine. They just emailed me, and it says it's done. We know you're. We know you're going to request, and the answer is no. That's how. That's going to be the baseline for how successful we are. How quickly we get rejected. All right. Well, Steve Jobs is is currently being. He currently has a biography and a biographer who's been given access to him. And uh, as everybody may or may not know, he resigned from uh, Apple this week. But his resignation is going to be in his autobiography. Right, that's a stop the presses moment. Yeah, it is a stop the presses moment. But uh, it's his biography is coming out in November. And so what they're saying is the final See, chapter is still being written. And now we're talking. We're in. Uh, there's we're a man in who deserves August. a biography. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yes. Some of these books are printed about a week before they, they get released. So literally two weeks beforehand, the only thing out there are the advanced reader copies, which are uncorrected in most cases. Yeah. And yeah, sure. I'm sure they stopped him and said, or he stopped and said, stop, stop the presses. I've got an announcement here. It might be fairly important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it might, this, Absolutely. This, yeah. you yeah. might want to write about this. So I, I mean, it gives you a little bit of insight into the, the timeline that's involved in like, you know, finishing the writing and then go, it being produced and published and printed. Not that I want to put anybody on the spot, but to, um, do we know who's doing uh, Jobs autobiography? Oh, his biographer, biographer is his Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson. Okay. And he speaks to Jobs regularly and is uh, working on the final chapter. It's uh, not, a, not an easy thing to be, uh, to be a biographer. And it is going to be released by Simon & Schuster. There you go. Get on it, Paul. And I've, right. I've got one more item, Greg. Simon & Schuster's been kind to us in the I past. I'll throw this quick one in here. Kind. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out. We're going to post it on the site. Uh, there was a UK study survey of more than 18,000 children 8 to 17 years old and it found that 1 in 10 children claimed to have read 10 books in the last month 13% had not read at all and surprisingly enough boys were nearly twice as likely to say they never read than girls Um, why would you find that surprising why is that surprising well historically little boys sat and read comic books little girls were having tea parties Excellent point. And now with, okay. with the decline Excellent of comic point. books for children is what I meant. Okay. Uh, with the decline of, co- of comic books, now young children just aren't reading. 
you know that I could understand. Comic books. Okay, okay, okay. I can see the I can see the correlation there. There's too much digital diversion for kids to uh, sit down and actually read something. The, the, one of the interesting things in, in the survey as well, which I think is part of the problem, is that 19 percent of children had never ever in their lives been given a book as a present. Now. If you don't give a book to your child, that's how is shocking. your child going to read? That's, that's, that's a little horrible. shocking. That's yeah. horrible. You know, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this. I'm just going to post a, a, you know, an good, article on Good this. night, moon. You know, <laughs> green eggs and ham. Something. Yeah. I love you forever. I love you forever. Five little monkeys. I, I love you forever. Sure. Give him a Stephen King. Scare the crap out of him. Oh, there's so many, so many good kids books. <laughs> Paul, I wonder, you know, maybe we shouldn't let you have children. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness sometimes. Yeah, kids love a good scare. Hiding behind the sofa watching Doctor Who. Books on film and television. I was sitting down recently and I was talking to my niece who was telling me about her favorite book series called Wicked Lovely. It's a series uh, that basically deals with fairies and in young adult fashion lately, you know, with the, uh, the, the, what are those vampire movies the, right vampires the, werewolves vampires, zombies. Were, uh, no, the mostly vampires the twilight series twilight twilight everybody wants to copy the twilight right so this is kind of like that where you get the teenager who gets sucked into a secret world and this is the secret world of fairies and they get into wars and uh, different fairies have different powers and different are these good disney fairies or evil historical well, I, like well, irish I mean, fairies you know it's, it, they the way she people it, or wave ones? No, they're not wave ones. Not all of them wave ones. Some of them are warrior type fairies, and some of them are the fairies that you know would typically be more represented by Disney. It's not really the point. The point was they were going to make a movie out of it, and in typical Universal fashion, they have dumped that project. So, to my niece Caitlin, I'm sorry that they're not making your movie. What was the name of the series? The series was called Wicked Lovely. Wicked Lovely. Uh, Vince Vaughn was going to be doing this one, yeah, along with... Uh, as a fairy or as a director? As a director. Or as a director. <laughs> it was his company who was going to be doing his, his His production company, Wild West Pictures, was, was uh, going to ah, be yes, doing that. Wild West Pictures. So, a maple syrup guzzling um, fairy. I don't know if there is one of those in there. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I'd like to see. If they're going to do the Canadian one, I guess there would be. We were discussing this one a little earlier. NBC is developing a comedy project based on the best-selling novel Stupid and Contagious. Stupid and Contagious, of course, referencing the Nirvana lyric, lyric yes. from Smells Like Teen Thank Spirit. you both for reminding, that, reminding me of that prior to the, to the episode. Right. So this is going to be a television uh, half-hour comedy, romantic comedy, and it's basically going to be following 20, a 20-ish two people in their 20s going through the trials and tribulations of music. One's a music producer, one's a former public relations executive. And uh, like we said, what do 20-ish people know about life? And right. I mean, at 20 years old, one of them could have been the, you know, the naked baby on the, uh, the cover of the Nirvana album. They don't know from trials and tribulations. Trials and tribulations. Yeah, Come. wait till you're 40 kids or 30. Yeah. Gets worse. <laughs> yeah. The author is uh, Caprice Crane, who uh, wrote episodes of Melrose Place in 90210. So that's her first book. It was published in 2006, and it's coming to television. So congratulations to Caprice Crane. We have three, no less than three, Frankenstein movies in production or being talked uh, about. Yeah, so Frankenstein is the new vampires, I guess. Yeah. You know, and anything public domain that we can get our hands on, let's go for it. Right. So basically, you've got three production houses trying to beat each other to get this Frankenstein. I mean, I think I'm guessing that two of them are going to lose out, or at least one. I mean, who, how can you possibly get three Frankenstein 
movies. That's just a clutter of. of All right, so let me. You know. We got Summit Entertainment is going to be working on one called The Dark Endeavor. Um, it's got Sean Levy attached to it. Are any of these? Do any of these have a spin on them? Like a little twist? Or are they all? Are they all set historically? Or Sony is going to be bringing a Mary Shelley's original Frankenstein, and uh, one of these ones. I'm just trying to read through the, my notes here. One of them was going to be like a modern telling, but the, basically the, the point is there's going to be three. See, I, I put my hand up for the modern telling. That might be an interesting twist on it. You know, genetic scientists putting someone together from parts. And I'm never averse to a good period piece myself, but. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. That, you know, the problem story. with period pieces lately on, on film is that they always go steampunky. I like, I, I like I, me some stink, steampunky. Yeah, well, you, you the Three it, Musketeers, uh, the Dumas is coming out with the Three Musketeers, right? And, and they're, they're going totally steampunky. I have no, no yeah, ambition to see this I at all. I saw that trailer. And yeah. trailer okay, I understand. When there's these bizarre contraptions that didn't exist at the time, yeah. you know, robots in Victorian well, age. Yeah. Take, for example, you, do you guys remember Brothers Grimm? Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic movie. But it was, ste- again, steampunk. That was not steampunk. Uh, that was no, not steampunk. Not, not my favorite. Uh, anyway, I just thought it was a... I'm going to stop it was making fun, my growling noises. It was a fun period piece, I thought. Sort of modern period piece. Modern period piece. Or or, or Sleepy Hollow, for example. But how, how would a modernized Sleepy Hollow Frankenstein I work? Sleepy Hollow fantastic, I liked. Because yeah. they didn't go all crazy contraption-y. See, like, yeah. mouse traps, you know, Even, Rube Goldberg machines. I mean, that's kind of fun. That's not steampunky. Okay, Okay. My question was though: in a, if, a mo- if there's a modernized Frankenstein, how can they write into the story where he still goes? Come on, <laughs> you got to have that Frankenstein <laughs> walking around, clipped. hands out, grunting. I think you clipped there. I know. Bolts from the side <laughs> of the head. <laughs> Do we not have? Would it, would it still be bolts? Do we not have something more modern than bolts? Yeah, they'd probably be like uh, pentalope iPhone screws, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> pentalope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's bonus points for anybody who can email in and tell us what that is. That's right. All right. We've got, um, this is one that I've been thinking about telling you guys. And RIPD or Ripped. This is a Dark Horse comic series that was uh, released as a. Okay, go. Is it a comic book? It's a comic book. Comic books, comic books, comic books. Release- I like me some jingles. All right. It's a very popular Dark Horse comic book released uh, as a trade paperback. Now, this has some massive names attached to it. They're bringing it to uh, theater in 2013 by Robert Schwenke. He, did he tr- didn't play accordion. Sorry, no, I'm not going to do it again. right. We, he didn't play accordion with Eugene can Levy, please, Can we please? No, no, we're not going to drop Okay, okay, okay. Well, he's going to be our favorite just because we like his last name. But Because we discussed him, what, two weeks ago in, reg- in regards yes. to... The uh, Poison Kitchen. Yes. Uh, we've got Jeff Bridges, who's going to be doing this as, raw, as well as da, 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 Kevin Bacon, Mary Louise Parker. Uh, we have a Victoria's Secret supermodel, Marissa Miller, is going to be making her major film debut. She's been doing some TV stuff, but now she's going to come into the thing. And uh, this is going to be, uh, come on, Ryan Reynolds is going to be the main character. Now, Ripped is uh, basically, stands for Rest in Peace Department. And it's... Uh, police of the netherworld these are all police officers who have died and are now tracking down demons in the netherworld interesting premise <laughs> all right sounds like pretty interesting comic and book fair, sure. today we have one of my favorite character actors of all times and if you ever have a couple hours to spend go on imdb and check out james hong james hong is going to be playing grandpa chen there you go. I'm just that's my challenge to you guys. Go check out James Hong. We've done this to we've done this already at work here, Paul. James Hong. All right, we'll look him up. Five hundred 
500 plus entries on IMDb. There's a lot of characters like this where, where you say James Hong and I have no freaking idea this who is you're one talking of those, about. But I, if you see his picture yeah. on the IMDb, you go, oh, he was Absolutely. in every movie I've watched. That's right. You know, Paul, What Paul just said is exactly right. James Hong, if you don't know who he is, you're going to go see the, you're gonna see the picture and then you're going to say, oh, that's that guy who's been every, in every film ever. He's, been, he's the Chinese guy. He's everybody's Chinese father. He's every everybody's Chinese sensei. He's the he's right. the bad Hawaiian drug lord. He's every, he's been in everything. So this guy's we'll got post, an excellent we'll, agent. We got to get this. We got to get his. We'll agent. post Absolutely. a picture of James Hong uh, on the show notes. Yeah. For a list of books and other items discussed on this podcast, go to paulthebookguy.com/slash/shownotes. Uh, the Times of India recently did a report on some of the logistical hurdles that they're enco- encountering or, or expected to encounter in the next James Bond film. Uh, so reportedly they're going to be doing uh, the filming starting in November for the latest James Bond film, and it's going to involve a lot of trains. Do we have a name for the uh, new I, I don't know. Bond I, 23. Okay. Bond I'm hoping 23. it's the Deaver novel and not another retro or... It, was there trains in the there deal? There was some were, trains in the well, beginning. In the beginning, oh, yes. there were some trains. Well, yeah. then you go. The, but apparently, this is a logistical nightmare. So they're saying, if, do any of your trains blow up and stuff like that? Well, there's a pretty spectacular derailment. There yes. you go. We have a derailment. And, and I think maybe, maybe we have some insight into in the, which novel they're going to be doing. In the uh, context of the James Bond movies, though, they always start with that opening, you know, high action teaser. Right. So this. The Deaver book also act, opened with this high action teaser, right. and that was the train. So it'll wreck. be derailment, and then cue the theme music. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that they could be filming in India. It, they could. It it's was. Possible, it was yeah. misplaced. It was not the it place was a that it was. Desolate location, pretty much. Yeah, it's like yeah, all yeah. you need is a diner and a true railroad track. Yeah, some, some mountain. Yeah, some restaurant and you know. a, and a railroad track yeah. and a river. Perfect. There you go. All right. So uh, and HBO has picked up another uh, novel that they're going to be adapting. Uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Ah, Mr. Gaiman. High on the NPR list. Uh, right. I've, I've, uh, you know, you ever played Jenga? You I took some of the Neil one. Gaiman books out of my book mountain. Careful not to see, see it collapse and put them on top. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bring some of that to the was table Was American soon. Gods uh, one of them? American Gods was one of them. Okay. So right. I'm well, looking forward to seeing this on HBO. We love HBO. I'm right? actually looking HBO's for doing the, some great yeah, things lately. HBO. I'm looking for that uh, copy of American Gods when you're done with it, Paul. Absolutely. Perfect. You got it. We're not throwing down the penny, but I'd like that too. All the, right. The, See, the I don't coin. have to throw down no, the magic coin. No, don't have coin. to throw down. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Gaiman is going to be writing the plot himself, and he's also committed to doing several of, if it gets picked up, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming it's picked up, uh, if it's picked up or whatever, uh, he's committed to doing several of the actual episodes, and he has expressed interest in writing the finale. I love it when the authors get mixed up in the screenwriting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, only they know their, their characters it the best. just makes it more authentic. And Castle News. I mean, we're here at Paul's Book Guy are total sci-fi nerds, and we loves, nerds. loves, loves, yes, nerds, and we loves the Firefly, and we loves our Nathan Fillion. Uh, great actor. Great actor, Captain Malcolm Reynolds in Firefly. Also, uh, he was, he's done a ton of voice work in video games and cartoons, including the Halo, Halo series, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. All right, so the, this is an interesting thing to me. Castle, the television series, is based on a novelist who kills off his character, his main character, and then experiences writer's block. But w- during that time, his, his novels experience, someone starts killing people in copycat murders. He gets recruited by the NYPD, and while he's to kind of consult. Consulting on, the on these On these crimes, on right. these copycat murders. He meets this, this hot detective, and she's the inspiration for a new set of novels. Right. So she becomes his new 
main character. Okay. Okay. He starts writing these books. Now, what's happening is ABC is releasing the books every year. Of this fictional character. Of this fictional character. So, so this, fictional this, television, this television auth- fictional television author is now releasing books? Right. So and they did it really interesting. In 2000, 2009, they released the first half of the first novel weekly in snippets. And then they released the, the, the whole thing. Serialized, in, sure. Serialized. They released the whole thing about a week before the second season started. Okay. And that one was called Heat Wave. The second one they did was called Naked Heat. And again, they didn't do it in the serialized version, but they released it about two weeks before the third season started. And now with the fourth season starting this coming September, the third book is going to be released before the fourth season. Heat Rises by Richard Castle, the fictional character, is going to be released in hardcover on September 20th. And I just think this is really interesting that they have this fictional character... And nobody knows who's writing these things. I mean, some people just speculate that it's just a staff writer or, or it is the writers of a the show. A group of writers, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just uh, looking here and, and uh, someone reports that uh, Nathan Fillin is actually attending the book signings. Yes. But ABC has no intention in, <laughs> in letting anyone know who the, who the writer is. That, that's right. Uh, another I, I did another thing about the Castle series, it's based on Stephen King. Richard being the first name of Stephen King's former pen name, Richard Bachman. Castle being a uh, reference to Castle Rock, Stephen King's uh, production company. Right. And a lot, there's a lot of, I've watched many episodes of it, and there's a lot of little hints and, and little nods to Stephen King every once in a while. Uh, character names sometimes. Uh, so you think, you think Stephen King's the man? I do not think Stephen King is the man, but uh, probably one of the staff writers on the show. It's suspected that it's just a staff writer or, or a team of yeah, writers. It, would, it wouldn't make it. sense to, well, to pay Stephen nods? King to write a novel and not use his name. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. What do you guys think of this cross-pollination between books and television and the way that they're, they're you know, because these, these are becoming bestsellers every time they come out. I got a quick uh, question about the formula here. Having not seen the television show, these books that are released are independent of the TV show? Or are they the episodes of the TV, of the prior They're the season? actual books referenced in the show. Yeah. The he writes refer- about the exploits of his a female partner but they are they are creatively independent of the series yes inspired by but inspired by but right. all so, the, so all the, the content in the book is not on the TV show no no okay, okay. All right. no it's yeah. the, the books are not just a repeat of the television the book titles the book titles themselves are referenced in, referenced the, show. in the show the yes. book covers are in the show he does book signings on the show and that's the book that's being sold in real life it's, it's funny that you would ask that because just something clicked in my brain here. Uh, I, I've, for those of you guys who know, I've been listening to The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, and I'm 30 some odd Can hours. Can you say Reich again? Cause I, you uh, like Reich. Very good. Nice. Reich. Okay. It's the that Third was, Reich. Was yeah. Reich. And um, I'm 30 hours into it, and they just, like, look, they haven't even invaded Poland yet. I'm, I can't, <laughs> I make it sound like I'm so listless. <laughs> Listeners, I really, I'm going to find something that I can really sink my teeth into and come back and tell you guys with great gusto how much I love this book. And I, I want well, you would think that the invasion of Poland would be somewhere in the middle of the rise and fall. If it was just called the rise, you'd figure well, invading there, Poland would be the end of the book. But the rise and fall. I'd put it in the front 25%. You, know? you got to open with it's, something. It's, it, there is an emphasis on the rise, okay? And I mean, this okay. last little bit has been, I've, I've been I, I swear I've been eight hours on the last the okay. two days before the Polish invasion. Okay, bring it back to our castle. Here we come back. And uh, so I just needed a little bit of a mental diversion from that. And I went to, and I picked up a couple, uh, the Star, War, Star Wars Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2 on Audible, just 
because they were cheap. And it was basically just the video game written out in novel form. Which is what I would want to avoid if I was going Which to watch is, this television show and then... Wow, exactly what exactly <laughs> thank you see wow yeah, the connections that that brain you makes just call me wordy. wow sorry but that's you know, okay i get it though but to, that's to exactly come back to you, the, to that's come, what you didn't want that's what i didn't want right to come back to the discussion to the discussion uh, this is fantastic marketing th- on who is it nbc's part i think it's really uh, creative. i believe is it abc abc it's abc, it's ABC. Yeah. yeah that's it's a really fantastic creative. series yeah. really creative all right we're, we're on to my book now right fiction 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 you read? I read. Wow. It's shocking, <laughs> I know. You got the time. I even uh, I do have the time. I don't even move my lips that much. Uh, so the book I've got this week, um, <laughs> it was a dare. Uh, it was Paul Coelho, uh, The Alchemist. This is... That was a very good Portuguese pronunciation. Paulo Paulo Coelho. Paul. I have very to good. admit, you did, co- you did uh, coach me a bit before we got going. You did very well. So uh, to, to give you guys the frame of reference here, I know that not, neither of you have read it, but... In my, I don't know, 15 years or whatever of, you know, being sort of a conscious, dedicated reader, this book has consistently come up among just discussion with, you know, friends and friends of friends as, as you know, some people's all-time favorite masterful book ever. Like, some people that I've met hold this book in the regard of, you know, the Bible and then The Alchemist. So, finally, this week, I picked it up. It's a short book. But to give it a bit more context, um, book sales. How many books do you think have sold over 100 million copies? It's got to be a small list. It's a small list. list. Uh, the, the list that I'm looking at right now has, uh, has only has five five books Can on I it. Try to guess. If you want, go for it. Bible? No. I'm gonna do, uh, let's go. That, Tolkien. That's not a single. Uh, let's talk like the Bible is not a single author volume. Okay, okay. I mean I'm let's sure the Bible has sold millions and millions and millions uh, and millions. Tolkien's got to Tolkien. be there. Okay, you're right. Tolkien's on. Tolkien's on twice. He's got The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. The other one's uh, number one. Surprise to me. Uh, Tale of Two Cities. Charles Dickens. Ah. Longevity. Uh, longevity. That's true. Uh, and then there was, and then there were none by Agatha Christie. That's uh, number five. And then in number th- four, number four positions, a Chinese book uh, called Dream of the Red Chamber. And this goes back to uh, 18th century. So again, we're talking longevity. longevity. On They've had time on their side. Right? They also have a population too. So you're, you're wondering at this point, why am I bringing this up in relation to Paul Coelho? Paul Coelho is, uh, and the alchemist come up on the list of books that have sold 50 to 100 million. So wow. that, that book list, you know, the previous list only had five. Now we're up to about 14 books. And wow. Paul Coelho makes this list, and he, you know, he wrote the book in 88. So this does, book, does he live up to the hype, Chris? That's what we want to know. Yeah. Okay, the book is a, we, we're, we're calling it fiction. It's a fable, uh, a modern-day fable. Uh, well, no, he's written it in modern day, but it's a very much a uh, grim uh, fairy tale type story. It's about a boy uh, who follows his dream, meets an alchemist who an actual alchemist, an actual alchemist, trying to turn like lead into the, gold. The dude, the dude turns lead into gold for our hero. Wow! And he gives this our hero a small fortune to help him on his way of his journey. So uh, the boy leaves his home in as a shepherd uh, in Spain to literally to chase his dream. Uh, he comes to the desert and uh, meets a woman, falls in love, uh, meets the alchemist, becomes a, uh, a powerful alchemist, and has everything materially, materially, and say spiritually that a person could want. But then leaves the woman that he loves and leaves this you know society that he's grown into to continue chasing his dream. Suffers all kinds of you know pitfalls, and he's being uh, coached at the uh, to do this by the the alchemist. Uh, and then he he comes to. 
the point where he's about to abandon all hope and uh, <laughs> discovers that, in fact, uh, you can chase your dreams, you will discover what your dreams are, but you will not be able to sort of see the path that you must take. It'll never be a, a tic-tac-toe operation. So it's a very much a heartwarming story. Uh, it's engagingly told. Um, the style of it is, you, f- you know, sort of old guy sitting around a campfire. Like, he's nailed that voice. All right. Right? So... So is it it's told in retrospect? Or is it uh, it's, first person? Uh, no, it's not first person. It's told third person. Okay. Um, third, yeah, third person omniscient. And uh, you get the, the feeling that you're reading sort of an ancient tale. And you do feel like, you know, you read the book, you put it down, and you get, you know, a little bit teary, and you think, oh, I just have to chase my dreams. <laughs> but... Right. Okay. I really, I really don't have a lot of patience. Inspirational. Uh, <laughs> it is. I really don't have a lot of patience for that kind of stuff. So, it was well written. Uh, the story is well told. Uh, the characters are very engaging. It's a very simple book. It's a very short book. I was just about to ask you, doorstopper? No. No. So no. 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 Short no. It's book. short book. Good. Quick. And fun read. You're glad quick, you got quick read. Uh, I'm. I am. I'm one of these. I'm the sort of person uh, who I would read it for just knowing the impact that it's had culturally. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a big book. This is what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of buzz on Twitter uh, about Paulo Coelho. And oh, his man, works. his stuff keeps coming back, right? Yes. And I don't think he's, he's, he's actually a very interesting fellow. Um, the, the, I have a feeling that the book is sort of autobiographical. He grew up as a young, as a boy, told his mother that he wanted to be a writer, and his mother told him, you know, your father's an engineer, has a very you know, logical outlook on the world. Do you even know what it means to be a writer? And basically told him, you know, he's an idiot. So he uh, enrolled in the priesthood uh, and dropped out after a year and then sort of wandered the world as a hippie um, and okay. then started writing. And he, he wrote a book, uh, like a vampire book, and by his own admission, he said it was such crap that he actually pulled it off the shelves. Uh, but then began writing sort of this Did inspirational Stephanie Meyer stuff. Find it. Later? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to give Anne how, Rice some advice. <laughs> how bad could it be if you know if the Twilight series? Ah, was I know. Me. So anyway, but I have, you know you have to give the guy a credit for saying you know you know what that was really crap and I really apologize for that. I, right. I appreciate that. And then he wrote you know a couple of sort of inspirational books and of course this book has made him you know global right. name known worldwide. So. For that reason alone, I'm the sort of person that will read that book just to see what the what the hype is about. So I can I can recommend it that way. It's like you know what it's perfect for is a like a seven hour plane flight, right? Or you know okay. four hour okay. plane flight. Okay. All right, perfect. Quick read, good. Yes, and enjoyable and fun. Um, I'm sure that both of you will run into people who you know will say that this book is their inspiration, and I can I can understand that perspective. Personally, I don't buy into that kind of inspiration, but uh, I did enjoy it. How'd you read it? I read it. The, the actual pulp. The actual pulp. This was a paper book for me. There you go. Yep. But it made an impression on him. Or when he would tell them of the loneliness or the happiness of a shepherd in the fields. Sometimes he would comment to them on the things he had seen in the villages they passed. But for the past few days, he'd spoken to them only about one thing. The girl. The daughter of a merchant who lived in the village they would reach in about four days. He'd been to the village only once the year before. The merchant was the proprietor of a dry goods shop, and he always demanded that the sheep be sheared in his presence, so that he would not be cheated. A friend had told the boy about the shop, and he'd taken his sheep there. I need to sell some wool, the boy told the merchant. The shop was busy, and the man asked the shepherd to wait until the afternoon, so the boy sat on the steps of the shop, 
and took a book from his bag. I didn't know shepherds knew how to read, said a girl's voice behind him. The girl was typical of the region of Andalusia, with flowing black hair and eyes that vaguely recalled the Moorish conquerors. Well, usually I learn more from my sheep than from books, he answered. During the two hours that they talked, she told him she was the merchant's daughter and spoke of life in the village where each day was like all the others. The shepherd told her of the Andalusian countryside and related the news from the other towns where he had stopped. It was a pleasant change from talking to his sheep. How did you learn to read? the girl asked at one point. Like everybody learns, he said, in school. Well, if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? The boy mumbled an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. He was sure the girl would never understand. He went on telling stories about his travels, and her bright Moorish eyes went wide with fear and surprise. As the time passed, the boy found himself wishing that the day would never end, that her father would stay busy and keep him waiting for three days. He recognized that he was feeling something he had never experienced before, the desire to live in one place forever. With the girl with the raven hair, his days would never be the same again. But finally the merchant appeared and asked the boy to shear four sheep. He paid for the wool and asked the shepherd to come back the following year. And now it was only four days before he would be back in that same village. He was excited and at the same time uneasy. Maybe the girl had already forgotten him. Lots of shepherds passed through selling their wool. It doesn't matter, he said to his sheep. I know other girls in other places. But in his heart, he knew that it did matter. Uh, the little construction workers are waving. It's not a video podcast. For curiosity's sake, just... I was wondering why the saws stopped, the saw noise stopped for... It's um, not... They don't not, understand You're me. not on TV. Just, just for your own personal interest and our readers interest i'm looking at this list of you know books that have sold 50 to 100 million right so this is a yeah, short give us list some yep, of the, yeah yep, paul coelho's on the list so um at coming in at 85 million uh is the lion the witch in the wardrobe see us uh, the ya series uh, a book called she which i've never heard of 83 million uh h Ryder haggard it's a 19th century novel from okay. what i can gather uh the petit prince of course uh antoine de saint azupere thank you yeah, you're welcome. That was awesome. Achoo. Hey, come on. I had to do that. that was good. I had to do that in French class, man, Very grade nice. 13. Very so nice. it's, uh, it's a good book. Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown. Okay. Coming yeah. in with a firm 80 million. 80 million copies. Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Catch that your- is, you know what? That is my, uh, my friend Terry's favorite oh, yeah. book. In fact, um, you got a copy there. No, he's got a hollow book. <laughs> oh, you a hollow book. Yeah. Oh, I, I, surprises James over from Free Hollow Books, not a sponsor, uh, went out, found an old copy of it. For me and held it. I out love that copy. That's he's awesome. He's actually found he's another higher quality one. He's a hanging faded on to it hard for him. copy. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of things he does. That's that's why we, we give him free ad space on the on the site. Just it, sorry, just thought it was a, that's a good yeah, looking yeah, book. Yeah. I think that that's a respectable looking little you know old book. battered yeah. uh, you know think and grow rich. Uh, Terry's a real estate agent and he really he he keeps telling me 
he's listening to the podcast and goes, you guys got to do more success books, you know? And that's, you know, he, he's into that and I, I'm not really, but well, well here, maybe we'll, uh, there are many people like him because they can grow rich for fear of actually being successful. Like, I'm this not going to do We're it. talking, I think this is thirties, 1930s. This was originally uh, published. I, I got it right that here old? for you. It is yes. 1937. 1937. There you go. I'm just going to say, yeah. Yeah, for it's fear, a classic and it still applies for fear of actually becoming successful. I'm going to refrain from reading that. <laughs> now I, I got to say to folks, there are, there are uh, Napoleon Hill foundations and other groups with his name on it that uh, claim to have all these systems and you pay the money and the secret to them getting rich is you giving them their money. If you really want to check out this book, just buy the freaking book. Excellent disclaimer, Don't, Paul. Yeah, Thank you very do not much. get yep. fished into these, these you, know, you know, Trump gold systems and, and Napoleon Think Rich foundations. Not a good idea. So back to our list. Underneath Think and Grow Rich is Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. One of my here we go again, but this, this is, is one, one of, of pet my thieves, isn't it? Favorite, oh, books favorite books of all time. Okay. <laughs> the Catcher in the Rye. I've got, I have three different copies at home. Other people that know that I love it have given it to me and uh, I can read it again once a year. Okay, it was a, it was a great book. I appreciate it. Really in, like uh, in book sales of all time, he's right next to the alchemist Paul Coelho. Well, you know, you just sold me on Paulo Coelho being, okay. being that close anywhere to, yes. close to, well, you to said, Salinger's You work. said Paul and you said Paolo. Paolo. It is Paolo. Paolo. He's, Paolo. Right he's, right Bra- he's Brasiliano, so it's, it's Paolo. He's Brazilian, yeah. Okay. So underneath that is The Steps to Christ by Ellen G. Wilde. And that is uh, not something current. That is uh, 19th century as well, but I'm sure that's uh, quite religious in nature. Lolita, Vladimir Nabokov. Now, here's a German one. I should give this one to you, Greg. I'm going to have a crack at it here. Uh, Heidi's... Leer uns Wanderjahre. Oh, that's a should porno. I come, should I that's come a porno. We don't cover them. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's Heidi's years of wandering and learning. It definitely sounds like a porno. <laughs> a, we don't cover that, Chris. It's the one here. genre we don't one? cover. Heidi's Leer und Wanderjahren. Ooh, very nice. Oh, there you go. That comes in uh, with uh, a good solid 50 million. Uh, below that, we've got the Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care. A Canadian entry at last. Anne very Green, nice. Anne of Green Gables. Uh, and then Black Beauty, and then The Name of the Rose, Umberto Eco, one of my all-time favorite authors. Yes. So anyway, that rounds I, I, out. You know what? I, when you asked, I did put the, uh, I know the word out. I'm I know you did. Still trying. Okay. So between 50 and 100 million copies, those are the all-time best-selling books. Got a little bit of uh, listener feedback I'm going to read out here. Um, from Twitter, Twitter user Midwest Anti-War. Now, you can tell what his agenda is, Anti-War. Nothing wrong with being well, anti-war. Well, let's, let's not draw conclusions. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, was, he was talking about, uh, under hashtag, uh, uh, this has been trending for a while on Twitter, uh, Afghanistan Tuesday, which uh, I looked it up, and it represents uh, Tuesday, October the 7th, which will be 10 years that uh, Canada, the United States, and all the other countries have been in the war. And he sends a book recommendation, Bob Woodward's Obama's Wars. He says it's very accessible, easy read, and it deals with the pickle that we're in right now. So thanks for saying that in, Midwest Anti-War. Well, that would correspond with the 10-year anniversary of 9-11 coming up. Uh, this one, actually, yes, that, that as well. But uh, this specifically, October 7th, coming up, the 10 years that we've been in the war. Well, that's what I'm saying, 9-11, and then we went right. to war. We went to war on the 7th of October. Right, so yeah. it was you know, basically just less than a month. And uh, Greg brought up a really good point this week uh, as far as easy ways to send us your voice feedback. Yes. We sat around and we t- were telling everybody how to basically send in your, your voice feedback. And, and we're nerds, so we overcomplicated things. Right. We all have computers and we all play games. And I mean, I play Warcraft, so I have a headphone with a head of headset with microphone. And I, I'm used Apparently to... Apparently, Greg has a headset that has an audio setting that will make him sound like a fairy. 
Yes, I do. I have the, <laughs> at home. I have a very expensive. Call Vince Vaughn. Tell him you lend it to him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> bringing it it's, all it's, full circle over here, folks. Thank you very much. Oh, it's yeah. the World of Warcraft uh, wireless headset that has settings that can make me sound like a okay, torrent. But, but back on point, back on e- point. Easy way to send us feedback. Back on point. I'm sorry. Back that was my point. fault. That was Chris. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Point at Chris. Having fun. All right. So, yeah, we got a little overcomplicated. And I just want to bring this back and give you guys a really quick and easy way to send in your voice feedback. Use your iPhone or BlackBerry. Your iPhone has... a application built in called blue button it's called blue button white microphone it's called voice memos click it press the little red button and it's going to record yep that's it put it up to your ear talk as as if you were on the phone yeah and now it's a very high quality recording it, it has some sort of compression in there. I, I'd say you can go, uh, well, we're only going to play ones that are one minute or two minutes anyway. So don't send us Johnny McDonald's acceptance speech for becoming Prime Minister of Canada. Just a one, two minute clip. It'll sure. Email just fine. How do you email it? Okay, Greg? so Is then you're going to have a, you have a little button beside it that's just little, little lines. You press on that and it's going to show you all your voice memos. The most recent one's going to be at the top. Touch it, hit the share button, and it's going to give you an email option. Email it to paulthebookguy.com. Pullabookguy at gmail.com. And, uh, right. I, Sorry for the that. first time in my life, I'm going to say that this is actually easier on a BlackBerry. Okay. Underneath the media file, uh, there's a voice recorder. Select the voice recorder. Press the button in the middle. Speak into the phone. Yes. Uh, select the envelope on the same screen and uh, send it to Chris the Book Guy, Paul the Book Guy, Greg the Book Guy, and the voice file will come to us quickly and directly by email. It is quick and easy. Yeah, and it's, it's high quality too. You'd be surprised at how, how good those notes are. And remember, folks, we do respond to pretty much everything on Twitter uh, other than the uh, get-rich-quick schemes and the spam. Uh, Paul the Book Guy, Chris the Book Guy, Greg the Book Guy on Twitter. Uh, follow us there. We'll follow you back. The sun is setting on Book Mountain. The sun is setting on Book Mountain. the hook again. Man. And you know what? Listen. The Oompa Loompas have stopped working. The construction guys are finally quiet They've down. gone home. We should see what they've done. But next They're week, we promise, a nice, quiet studio. <laughs> That's we'll right. get back to our, our regular schedule. I'm Paul the Book Guy. I'm Greg the Book Guy. I'm Chris the Book Guy. We'll see you next week, same book time, same book channel. I don't like the look of it. Oompa, loompa, doompa dee da. If you're not greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness, too. Like the boom pop, boom pop, doo ba dee doo. Doo ba dee doo.